Father, we thank you today. Prayer has already gone forward, and we're just rejoicing in what you're going to do today. Thank you for fresh utterance, revelation to flow freely like a river from heaven, to flow into our hearts and in our minds, all of us here today. In Jesus' mighty name, all that agreed said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. We, have, we started a new series three weeks ago. This is number three. And the title of this series we're talking about is I Am Not Moved. And you can see it up there on the screen there. And I said that as a preface uh, going into the last two messages, the last two sermons. In fact, if you were not here and you didn't hear these messages, I really encourage you to pick up the CD back there on the table because it's just that important. Because these, these are links. They link together these messages. And I can't go back and repeat everything that we shared originally. You understand that? And, uh, but one of the things is I was thinking about it and praying about it right before the new year and seeking the Lord about it. One of the things that came up in my spirit, it can, this can be a negative, but it's also a positive, that we're living in a time, we're living in an age, you know, there's certain dispensations and things that happened. But I, I would say probably in the last five to six, seven years, this has been, in, there's been intense pressure on people that are saved, people that are born again. There's been pressure. You could say this has been the age of pressure. And there, what I mean by that is pressure to, to quit, pressure to give up, pressure to throw in the towel, pressure to cast away your confidence. And in some cases, people have even changed their Bible doctrine because of pressure, because they haven't seen what they were trusting God to come to pass. I have personal acquaintances and personal friends of mine. It's a sad thing that because of pressure, even ministers that have given up and changed their way of thinking, their way of doctrine because of pressure, because they didn't want to deal with the pressure. Now, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, I'm going to move rather fast here, in the book of Daniel chapter 7 about the Antichrist, that when the Antichrist comes, we don't have to worry about him. We have authority over him. But when we're out of here and we're raptured out of here and the Antichrist has that seven-year reign in the earth, you know, and so forth, uh, the Bible says that he's going to put so much pressure on the saints that are there on the earth then, the people that get saved, that he's going to try to wear them out in Daniel 7.25. He's going to try to wear out the saints. But the spirit of Antichrist is already in the earth. And I want to show you something here because uh, this is really important that we understand this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Hereby we know we the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3, And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you've heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. But he says in verse 4, I love verse 4, You are of God, little children. Point at yourself and say, that's me. Yes. Okay. He says, you are of, the Lord says, you are of God, little children. You have overcome them. Who's the them he's talking about? Demons, evil spirits. You have already overcome them if you're a child of God. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You see, it's, it's, we're not putting emphasis. Sometimes people get the mistaken idea that we're talking about what we can do, what, you know, putting the emphasis on me, but it's actually on him. You see, when I got saved, little me moved out and big Jesus moved in. Amen. Amen. And so, like Paul says, if we're going to boast, let's boast in what the Lord has done. Greater is he, who's he? Jesus, that's living in you than he that's in the world. I mean, stop and think about it for, for just a, a second here. 
Every one of you that know Jesus, how many of you know Jesus? You believe on him? You know, you have him. He is living in the spirit of God is on the inside of you. And everywhere you go, he goes. Amen. I mean, stop and think about that. Now, don't try to figure that out with this thing up here. Okay? The scripture says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, the anointed one. Now, we see from 1 John right there that it says that the spirit of Antichrist is all where he said this. Now, John wrote this about 2,000 years ago. And he said even back then that the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. It's always been here. Amen. Now, we said this, that the word anti means against. The word Christ means the anointed one. It's not Jesus' last name. Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Now, we know that that the, the devil is totally opposed to anything that God likes to do. You know, God created music, for example. But what did the devil do? He took music and twisted it and made, put it to something that didn't glorify God. It glorified him, the devil. Okay? Now, the Bible says that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. It's anti-anointing. The thing that the biggest threat to the devil's kingdom, and I thank God, I want to be a threat to him. Well, you should too. Amen? We don't want to just fit in with everything. You know what I'm saying? Because if we're fitting in with everything, then we're going to be pleasing somebody else other than God. Amen? Amen? And the spirit of Antichrist is anti-God, anti-anointing. And that's why people that, that are against the anointing, you know, there are people that are against the gifts. Of the, I know churches, for example, that have on their website that what they're against. And it's just, I'm like, you're against the Bible. I was reading one church, they're actually against positive confession. I was reading on their website. They're against the faith message. They're against speaking the word of God. They're against, I, I mean, I read it myself. <laughs> I could not hardly believe it. And I thought, you know, that's interesting because the Bible has more to say about the positive side of confession than it does the negative side. Yes, there's a scripture that says if we confess our faults, he sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's, that's confession of your sin to get forgiveness. But yet, uh, the Bible has a whole lot more to say about the positive end of confession than it does about the negative side. Amen? The Bible says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. The times that you've stood... I hear, I feel the anointing already. The times that you've stood and it looked like nothing was happening. Hallelujah. Behind the scenes, great things were taking place. When you were praying and you were speaking the word of God and it looked like nobody was paying attention, but your father heard you. Amen. And he sent angels forth to take care of those things and do business for you while you were there in your prayer closet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So none of what you've done has ever been in vain. Amen. The Bible says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, I love when the anointing comes on me like that because that was something I didn't prepare to say. But it just, whew, just rose up on the inside of me. That, that's the anointing. Amen? Amen. And when we're in church like this, there's an anointing. And I know that you came hungry and you came thirsty today because you're pulling it right out of me. Amen. Maybe you had a rough week, but I'll tell you, the anointing will obliviate that stuff right away. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So don't be surprised when you have resistance, when you do the thing that God's called you to do. Don't be surprised. 
If God called you to start a business, God called you to start a ministry, or whatever the case may be, don't be surprised if you have resistance. That's of little concern to Him. He's already called you. He's gifted you. He's anointed you that, that whatever He's called you to do, He will provide for you. He will guide you. He will make a way for you in the wilderness. Streams in the desert, the Bible says. Whew. Oh, glory to God. Now, we know from, my, from Acts 10, 38, I'm just going to quote this because of time this morning, but it, God says that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing what? Good. What's good? Healing. All that were oppressed of the devil. God wants to heal people that are oppressed mentally. He wants to heal people that are oppressed physically. He wants to heal people that are oppressed financially. In every way, wherever there's satanic oppression, the anointing will destroy the yoke and blow that thing apart. Amen? Amen. Glory be to God. The anointing shall... It says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Oh, praise the Lord. As I said last week, actually the last couple weeks, I'm just kind of going over some review right here. But anybody that ever did anything significant for God that we read about in the Bible, people like Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Elijah, David, Gideon, Nehemiah, Paul, just to name a few... People that we, we, we read about, that we know about, that are in the Word. These are real people. These are not fairy tales. These actually happened. <laughs> real accounts. Real stories. All of them had resistance. All of them had pressure to give up and to quit. I think about the woman with the issue of blood, you know, that had that all, all everything was stacked against her. Her physical condition, the Levitical law. But she pressed through the crowd. She pressed through to get to Jesus. It wasn't easy. She didn't take an Uber. She didn't jump on someone's camel. She walked and she went to the town where Jesus was. And she pressed through the crowd, the Bible says, and she received her miracle. Well, I'm sure that that wasn't easy. It wasn't like smooth sailing, as people say, you know. I mean, the guy that was crippled, you know, his four friends brought him on a, on, a, on, a, on a bed, remember that? And they went to where Jesus was to receive healing, and there was too many people in the house. So the Bible says they sought means. How can they get to Jesus? So remember what happened? They went up on the, they said, let's go up on top of the house. Let's tear the roof apart, and let's lower him down. That had to be a Holy Ghost-inspired idea. Amen. Amen. So he, he received forgiveness of sins, and he received healing in his body. That's why Jesus said, which is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven or rise up and walk. I mean, they're both easy for God. See, the, the anointing makes things that are normally hard easy. Back in the day, I remember when, we, when I first started driving, we had a car that was, didn't have power steering. And you didn't have to lift weights. <laughs> because you'd pull that, that wheel, and you'd use all your strength in that. Did, did your mom's car have the same thing, that one, that green machine, whatever that Okay. It was the ugliest green car I've ever seen in my life. Her mother had this car, and she, she, she drove this car. But, uh, but, you know, when power steering came out, you could turn with one finger. You could lay back and be cool. You know what I'm saying? And, you know what I'm saying? So what was normally hard became easy. The anointing takes the difficult and makes it easy. It's the oil of the anointing that makes things easy in your life. Thank you, Lord. And so we see that 
On the other side of quitting, there's great blessing. The easiest thing in the world to do is to quit your faith, to give up. Well, pastor, you know you can tell by someone's whine in their voice sometimes. And I've done it myself. I've done it myself. Whining and complaining, you know. Well, pastor, you know, it's just been really rough lately. I've had this happen. Hey, join the crowd. We all have had things happen. But we just keep, we don't quit. We just keep pressing in. We keep praying. We keep giving. We keep doing what we know to do. Coming to church is really important. Amen? Amen. Very important. Now, someone asked Thomas Edison. Anybody remember that name, Thomas Edison? Do you know he, he he made patented over inventions over a thousand. I think it was just over a thousand inventions. Amen. And uh, someone asked him, you know, was interviewing him many years ago in the early 18, late 1800s, early 1900s, you know. And, and uh, if you look up the things that he, he invented, man, we're all being so the phonograph. Amen. So many different things. But the incandescent light bulb. You know, up to that point, everybody's for thousands of years are using candles, okay? And someone was asking him about the process, you know, what it took and so forth. And he says, this is Thomas Edison. He says, I didn't fail. I just found 2,000 ways not to make a light bulb. He says, I only needed one to make it work. <laughs> now, stop and think about that. Stop and think about that. Did he have resistance? Of course he did. Was there resistance to quit, to give up, to say, ah, this isn't going to happen? But I believe God inspired him. God gave him an idea through concept and his imagination. And and the great inventions that we have today, I don't even have time to list them all. You could do a Google search and find out. But Thomas Edison made some tremendous uh, inventions of things that we're enjoying today. Oh, thank God for him. Amen. But see, God inspired him. God anointed him to do such a thing. But I, I think it's interesting. He says, I can tell you 2,000 ways that, you, that light bulb doesn't work. So in other words, he tried, failed, tried, failed, tried, failed. Abraham Lincoln, who I consider one of the greatest presidents in American history, and the, the things that he did for Americans and for freeing the slaves and things, I mean, tremendous president. Wouldn't you say that he had some resistance? Oh, he had all kind of resistance to the point where a guy shot him, Okay. Because they didn't want people to be free. They still wanted slavery. I mean, that's of the devil, isn't it? Yeah. Any, any kind of slaver is of the pit of hell. God did not create men and women to be slaves. Okay? Now, all of us, before we were saved, we were slaves to sin. But Jesus freed us. And thank God for the Emancipation Proclamation that came along and freed slavery. Hallelujah. And made people equal, made people free. But uh, if you read... I, I was reading this book from, uh, I think it was John Maxwell, in one of his books. He was talking about Abraham Lincoln. And most people think, well, that's the, what number president was he? Does anybody know? 16th. 16th? Okay. Um, most people just look at that and say, he became president. Wow, that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? But he had, there was a list of like failures that he had before he became president. I, I, was, I was shocked. I, was, I, was, I wish I had it on me here today, but I was shocked at the number of things he ran for failed. Yeah. Failed in his, his family situation, his children. I mean, he had all business failures. Ran, run for Congress, failures. Ran for president, failed. Yeah. Then it says in 18, whatever it was, he ran for president and he won. Yeah. But most people don't see all the mess that he went through 
resistance that he went through, but he just didn't quit. He just didn't give up. Okay? We need to be, like I said before, we need to be like that, that, uh, that, that punching bag that I had when I was a kid with sand in the bottom. Every time you hit that thing, it comes right back up. Okay? And when the devil hits you and gives you his best shot, we can just pop right back up. And, and like Micah, the book of Micah says, when I fall, I shall arise. When you fall and you think you failed and you've failed God and failed yourself, don't stay down. Get right back up because the Lord's rooting for you. The Lord is on your side. The Bible says if God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for me, who can be against me? Praise the Lord. Let that be your confession. Now over in Acts chapter 20 real quick. Let's go over there in Acts chapter 20. We see here in the Apostle Paul in verse 22, uh, this is mainly, our, this is pretty much our main text that we've been using in this series here. But now in verse 22, that's Acts chapter 20, verse 22, and Paul said this, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me. Now, how would you like to have a prophecy like that? <laughs> Everywhere you go, Trouble. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, everywhere you go, trouble, trouble, trouble. But that's what was going on. Now Jesus, remember when he appeared to the apostle Paul who was Saul of Tarsus, he says, I will show him how much great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Not for sickness and disease, but for my name's sake. Paul, did, Paul was not a quitter. If there was anybody that I admire more than anybody in the whole Bible, it's the apostle Paul. He just didn't quit. He just didn't give up. He says... And verse 24, but none of these things move me. Hmm. None of these things move me. Neither count I dear, my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now we know from the scriptures that Paul finished his race. He finished his course. He says, I've kept the faith. I've finished my race. And now there's a crown laid up for me in heaven. Amen. And the apostle Paul overcame every obstacle that came his way until he was ready to give his life as a sweet sacrifice over to God. He, he turned over his life at the very end. But he finished his race. Amen. He finished the race that was set before him. Now, Paul was able to finish his race by not being moved by outward pressure and becoming self-conscious. We do not want to be moved by what we see or what we feel from the natural standpoint. Okay? Are you with me now? Now, we said uh, last week, we, we will get right into this again. We, we began to look at some steps that we can take to, to not be moved in our lives. Like I said, the easiest thing in the world to do is quit. Amen? Do you know if, uh, if, if every person that came to our church didn't quit, we'd have about 3,500 people. 3,500 people. Amen? Amen? Well, what's the deal? Pressure. Amen. Pressure. Sometimes families put pressure on people. Oh, you're going to that church. Are you with me? And there's pressure that's applied because the devil hates the anointing. The devil will encourage most people to go to the church of their choice because it may not be God's choice. Right. Amen? Right. 
and I'm not saying we're the church on the corner, we're the best. I'm not saying that at all. Please understand my heart. But I, I, I believe in holding forth the word of life, holding the word of God, the anointed word of God. That's what I was trained under. Amen. And such as I have, give I thee. But it's really important to understand that when you do what God tells you to do, I mean, we've had resistance like you wouldn't believe in the last two years. Me, Lynn and I personally, resistance like you cannot believe things that have come against us and things like that. But you know what? We know where our help comes from. And it's Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we always have to look and say, who called us? Did men call us? No. Did people call us? No. God called us. Amen. And that's all that matters. Amen. That's why Paul says, you know, after I received the, the vision from the Lord, I conferred not with flesh and blood. <laughs> Amen. You got to get to the place you don't care what other people think. And I don't mean being nasty and ignorant and arrogant. I'm not talking about that. But as far as the pressure is concerned, you do what God, to you be sweet to people. But you know, you got to be ruthless with the devil. Don't be kind to the devil. Are you with me now? Yes. You can be mean to him and you need to be, praise the Lord, Amen. with the word of God. So what we need to do is, these are steps that we can take to not be moved. And the first thing we talked about is keeping the word of God before your eyes. Okay? Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 4 once again. Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, we'll look at this. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. So, all right, if I go a little bit faster this morning, because I, want, I need to cover some of this stuff here. And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or the forces of life. Now, last week we read this, and I wanted to share with you once again, being, you know, the way that we learn even in school is we, we, we learn by repetition. So forgive me if I go back and I say some things that we shared last week, but it's just that important. But I want you to see right here, there are two things. In verse 21, he says, Let them not depart from thy what? Eyes. But notice verse 20, My son, intend to my words, incline thy what? Ear. So in verse 20, you have ear. Verse 21, you have eyes. Amen. And then in 23, you have heart. So the doorway to your heart, your spirit, the real you, the doorway to your heart is through your eye gate and through your ear gate. Now the devil knows that and that's why he tries to use things of what you see and what you hear to affect the condition of your heart. Okay. Now we're looking at this from a positive standpoint because... Uh, during the course of week, any week with all of us here, we have a choice every day what we're going to put in our ears, what we're going to put in our eyes. And what we put in our ears and what we put in our eyes will affect us for the good or for the bad, depending on what it is. Now, in this case, he's talking about putting the Word of God before you. And he says when you do that, it's life to those that find them and it's health, actually medicine to all their flesh. Medicine to all their flesh. Amen. Now I've talked to people so, sometimes through the years, you know, and, and, and have, that are having physical problems in their body and so forth. I said, well, we've, we've got a healing school at our church. Come on out. Be a part of the healing school. We call it remedy. Amen. And uh, 
But a lot of times people don't act, access that because they think it's really not that important. You know, I'm okay physically. I'm not sick right now. I really don't need that. But here's the thing. You don't wait to get strong when you need to be strong. You know, if a guy breaks into your home and you're sitting there on the couch and you've never worked out one day in your life, when he breaks into your house, that's not the time to go downstairs and start pumping the dumbbells. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. It's too late. It's too late. The time to build yourself up is when you're feeling good. And build your faith up by putting the right stuff in your eyes, putting the right stuff in your ears. Now go with me today. This is where we're going to pick up today in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now like I said, we need to take steps to not be moved. And the number one way is to keep the Word of God before your eyes. Keep that Word before your eyes. I am so grateful and so thankful that we live in the day that the technology, thanks to Mr. Edison, who started it all, that we have tape recordings and, you know, digital recordings now that we can listen to messages. Amen? You know, after we go home today, probably today or tomorrow, Joshua is going to download the sermon on the Internet on our website, you know, and that goes around the whole world. And there's iTunes. We put it on iTunes as well. People all over the world can listen to the Word of God. Think about that. And it doesn't cost a blasted penny to do that, to send out the Word of God. And we have, we live, because of the day that we live in right now, we have no excuse to fail. We really don't have any excuse to fail because we have more Word and access to more Word, victorious, overcoming teaching of the Word of God than anybody else on the planet. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? But sometimes, you know, we can take things like that for granted. But I'll tell you, it's just wonderful to put a CD on or put something on. You know, I got on this thing right here. It does everything. I mean, just about. It does everything but preach. You know what I'm saying? It's got everything on it. Messages and stuff that I can listen to. But we see in Proverbs that he says, you know, incline your ear and let them not depart from your eyes. Now, he's talking about the Word of God. He's talking about the Word of God. I remember back in uh, 1979, 80, around that time, I was, uh, I was asked, and it was a January night, I remember that, and I was asked to, to uh, play ice hockey, and I'd already given that up and so forth, and I was asked, some friends of mine, us, they had rented an ice rink at South Park to, to go play some ice hockey, you know, and so I said, okay, we'll do it, you know, and I hadn't played in a long time, and, uh, but I remember we were playing, it was like five below zero, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I liked it so much. That was, I, had, I gave it up because it was such, had such a stronghold in my life. I was so addicted to the sport. I mean, to be honest, ice hockey. You know what I'm saying? I used to play. And, uh, and I, I gave it up <laughs> for that reason. But I remember we kept playing and playing, and I was starting to feel pain in my feet. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but I just kept pressing through it. I thought, this is a lot of fun. Let's just keep doing it. But I kept staying out there. And like I said, it was like five below zero. And I came in after a while, and I took my skates off, took my equipment off, you know. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, I had pain shoot through my legs and my feet like I've never felt. I've never felt that kind of pain before. And I thought, I don't know what this is, but, man, it's, it doesn't feel good, you know. And I remember got, get, getting in the car and driving home, and I, the pain just was throbbing. It was like my heart was in my feet. You know what I'm saying? Make a long story short, I got frostbite really bad, okay? And I, of course, I'd never had that before. And, and I, don't, I won't go into the details, but my, 
My feet swelled up about twice the size, black and blue, blisters and everything, you know. And the doctors did not give me a very good report. My mother was really concerned, took me to the doctor, you know. And I, had a, I just started a job. I had to take work off and so forth. And I mean, I could barely walk around, you know. And I was just getting a hold at that time of the Word of God. I decided to lock myself in my, well, I didn't have to lock myself. I was in my bedroom, you know. And I, I started listening and listening all day long, Word, the Word of God on, you know, teaching tapes, listening to the Word of God. Because I knew that if I didn't get a hold of this thing, I mean, there's a chance I could lose my feet. You know what I'm saying? Because it's no circulation, things like that. And I mean, it was just getting bad and bad and bad, you know. And, uh, but to make a long story short, I just kept putting the word in my eyes, kept putting it in my ears, kept putting it in there. And my mother said, she goes, I watched you go through that. She goes, she goes, she tells me to this day, she goes, I'll never forget that it inspired me so much because I never saw somebody stand on the word of God like that, ever. And she, to this day, she still tells me that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, but, hey, for me, as a matter, I need to, I want to keep my limbs. You understand? <laughs> you know, I'm just a young whippersnapper here. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I just kept putting the Word of God in my eyes and in my ears. Now, as I was doing that, I kept getting thoughts. You didn't do enough. I kept getting thoughts. You didn't hear enough word. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't do this. I kept thinking this, but I thought, Shut up. Just shut up. Amen. And uh, to the devil, you know, because I'll tell you, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you do things for God, the, the thoughts are still going to come to you. You didn't press it enough. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't read enough scripture. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. That's just bad news devil. Amen. And that's how he, that's how he acts. But the fact of the matter is, there are people in the Bible that had, that Jesus said, you have great faith. They didn't even know it. None of them came to Jesus and said, I have great faith. I want to receive from you. They were shocked. Jesus said, I have not seen so great a faith. No, not in Israel. And they, I guarantee you, they weren't thinking, I have great faith. And that was Old Testament. Think about that. Before, before death, burn, death, burn, resurrection of Jesus. Listen, you can hear a sermon for the first time and receive like that. I know people in Africa that preached into different tribal groups and stuff like that. Preach one message, first time people received. They, they didn't get 15 hours of a course, a Bible course. They heard it once and they just chose, I believe this. You know, you can do that in church. You, you make your mind up. I'm, I, I believe this. I believe the Word of God. And you can receive. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're talking about what you're looking at will, will affect the uh, condition of your heart. It'll keep you from being moved. What you look at will keep you from being moved. Now Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians? The Apostle Paul did, didn't he? Now how many of you have read some things about the Apostle Paul? He went through some hell on earth. Remember that? He went through some, I mean, getting his head busted in. I mean, getting shipwrecked and beaten. Beaten with rods. Lashed. Remember that? All kind of stuff. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he just lists a whole list of things that he went through, persecution and affliction, all these different things. One time they stoned him and left him for dead. And the apostles surrounded him, rose, raised him from the dead. <laughs> you know, the guy went through some things. But notice what he says here. This is really interesting. In verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 4, he says, 
for our light affliction. Now, wait a minute. For our light affliction? Oh, wait a minute, Paul. I read your story. You went through some heavy affliction. <laughs> now, now, Paul says, like, and I'm going to show you this. This is the, I believe the Holy Ghost wants us to see this. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now, you know, when Paul wrote this, it was a letter. It was not in chapter and verse. So, this is one letter. And it says, our light affliction. Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So for something to be considered a light affliction, now you might be going through the heaviest trial in your life. I mean, I've, I've been through some stuff, and I'm like, well, that's a heavy trial, you know, but not in well, Jesus' eyes. It's not heavy. It's light. Paul says, our light affliction. How does something that's normally heavy become a light affliction? That's what we want to answer today. You go through the hardest time of your life. How does something that seems so difficult and so heavy become light? What you look at. Paul says in verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Now, the only way that you can do that, literally, is by looking at the Word of God. True. You can see, you can feel things with your body. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth, I, we often quote him, but you know, he said this. He says, when I wake up in the morning, somebody asked him a question, you know, and he, he says, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him how he's going to feel. Right. Because sometimes, you know, you wake up like, oh, it's just one of those days. You know, you kind of feel it. Could be a Monday, could be a Tuesday, could be any day of the week. You know what I mean? But he says, when I wake up in the morning, he says, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him how he's going to feel. Amen? I like that. That's the spirit of faith. In other words, I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to tell how it's going to be. Today is my healing day. Today is my victory day. Today is my prosperity day. See, that's not, a, that's not a bad word. That's a Bible word. If you throw the word prosperity out of the Bible, you've got to take half the scriptures out. Amen? God wants you to prosper. So this is your day for victory. So don't look at what you see. Don't look at what you do not see. Now notice this scripture here. I'm going to turn it over real quickly here too. Um, let's see here. Let me find it here. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. This wasn't in my notes. I was praying about this right out in the hallway beforehand. And the Lord reminded me of this scripture. Now this scripture is referring to the tribulation. During the tribulation, those seven years. And it says in Luke 21 verse 26. It says, men's hearts failing them for fear. Notice this, looking. Looking after the things that are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Notice that Jesus said during the tribulations, men's hearts will fail them for what? Fear. fear. Why? 
what they're looking at. What they're looking at. And that's why Paul said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. When I was facing that uh, real critical situation with frostbite in my feet, um, I chose at that point, you know, was it I wanted to, but I chose to look to God's Word. And you know what? I was healed. I was healed supernaturally. Now, it didn't happen all overnight. It didn't happen overnight, but the process began. And, and let, me just, let me just throw this out there too because there's a difference between a miracle and a healing. And most people think that if I pray and I don't see it instantly, that means God didn't hear me, that it's not working. But let me tell you something. The Bible says, lay hands upon the sick and they shall what? Recover. Recover. That's a process. All right? And sometimes healing can be lost between the time that you say amen and by looking at what you see and going by what you feel because not realizing that the seed of healing already took place when you said, Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, I believe I received. And you might still feel the same thing. You might still feel the same. But the Bible says, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Okay? I believe in my heart. <laughs> I believe in my heart. Now the body has to line up. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's already done. As far as, you know, when you pray and you, you ask God for something, as far as He's concerned, it's already finished. It's already finished. Someone says, well, it could have fooled me, Pastor Keith, because I, I still feel the same. I still got the same problem here and there and so forth. But listen, God's working. The miracle, miracles can be instantaneous, but healing can be a process, but the end result is victory. Victory. Amen? There have been people, for example, that trusted God for healing and seemingly didn't get their healing. And after a period of time, after looking at this thing and after looking at the calendar and thinking, well, I've done everything I know to do. Okay? The fact is, you've got to consider it done. If you say God is going to heal me, wrong, wrong, wrong. It's future. Say God is going to heal me. No, He has healed you. 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live in a righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Past tense. Okay? So if you put healing, for example, off in the future, like someday, someday, that's not faith, that's hope. Now, hope is important. But we're, we're talking about receiving, right? Say this, I believe. I, believe. I receive. I receive. My healing. Right now. right now. Hallelujah. So what do you do, what do, you do after, from that point on? What do you do? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You might still feel the pain. You might still have the situation. But oh, you just start giving praise. You start giving thanks and put on the victory by giving praise to God, giving glory to God. Amen? Amen. You can always tell the people that have stronger faith that people that give glory to God, that praise God. Amen? And if you can't praise God, you can't rejoice, you probably don't have much faith. Amen. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Amen. Because I'm looking at myself. 
through the years. Amen. There's times I prayed, didn't receive until I started rejoicing. You got to rejoice. You got to give praise. Amen. But notice that scripture that we just referred to. That it says men's hearts will fail them for fear of looking after the things that are coming upon the earth. Years ago, there was a college campus in the south that had the, uh, their sororities and stuff like that, and they were initi- a true story that actually happened. And they would initiate different, uh, you know, freshmen that would come in and wanted to be a part of their program and so forth. And so they would do different things. And one of the things that they did is there was a railroad track. Uh, that ran right behind the college campus. Now, up this railroad track, there was a set of tracks that were not being used anymore, but then right next to it was the set of real tracks. And so they took a guy up there, a young freshman in college, they took him up there, blindfolded him, bound his hands, bound his feet, and tied him to the track as an initiation. And about a certain time every night, that train would come through. Now, again, this was the inactive track. Now, he didn't know that. Okay? He didn't know that. And so about a certain time every night, this train, and sure enough, the train came through that night, and they were all laughing and having a good time. And after the train came through, they went up, and they found out he died. Now, he wasn't run over by the train. He was run over by fear. Yes. Okay? Yes. And, uh, of course, they were convicted. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, the, the train didn't kill this young freshman in college. Fear killed him. Yes. And the Bible says men's hearts failing them for fear. You know, some people have been under it's such intense fear at times that their hair actually turned white almost overnight. Amen? Because fear will affect the human body. Amen? Now, fear can affect the human body. How much can we do? You stop and think about it. How much can we do in life if we don't yield to fear? Think about how fear sometimes tries to control us. The way we act, the way we do things, you know what I mean? Fear of this, fear of that. But if we get the fear out of our lives, there's so much that we can do and just be free. When you're free from fear, because the, the enemy always has to work. He has to work and say, well, the what ifs, the what ifs, what if this happens? What if? And it hasn't happened yet. But he's thrown that out there to see if you'll take the bait. Okay? But it, that's just the way he operates. That's his mode of operation. Fear, 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 fear. Say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to be afraid. Hallelujah. And sometimes, I tell you, we just need to stand up. Because if you've been bombarded lately with whatever kind of fear, I don't, it could be anything. And fear is things that you don't want to happen in your life. Fear of this, fear of that. Okay? Book of Job chapter 3 says, The thing he greatly feared came upon him. And that which I was, Job 3.25, the thing I was greatly afraid of came to me. Okay? Job feared certain things, and it opened up the door to the enemy to come in and rob from him and steal from him. Okay? Hallelujah. Well, let's, let's, let's turn that thing around. Let's turn the other side of the corner and say, the thing that I greatly faithed has come upon me. <laughs> the thing you believe for, the thing you believe for, the great thing you have faith for, that's going to come upon you. Amen. Amen. Do you ever hear someone say, I'm afraid I'm a catching a healing? Okay. Someone sneezes. <laughs> well, I might be coming down with something. 
Amen. The other day I was walking along and, uh, and all of a sudden I just started sneezing like one, two, three, four, sneezing, sneezing. And, and I had this thought come to me, you're catching something? I had this thought come to me. And I, I stood there and I said, no, that's not coming to me. My body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Say, well, what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Amen? Because the devil can come and go. Fear can knock at your door, but faith answers and no one's there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do you know I'm going to prove something to you in closing right now? That everybody in this room, how many of you know Jesus? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You know him. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. You have strong faith already. You've already, think about it, you've received the greatest miracle that exists. Spirit of God reminded me this the other night. He said, Keith, the greatest miracle on this planet can't even be seen by the natural eye. And that's when a person comes from darkness to light and receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that old dead nature, the spiritual nature of Satan is, is completely annihilated. And God moves his spirit on the inside of you. And your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. You go from darkness to light. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light in a flash. Just like that. Greatest miracle of all. The new birth. And you, you received that. How many received that? Okay. So you've already gotten the biggest miracle on the planet. You received the greatest miracle. It's the new birth. Anything after that is subpar. That you receive from the Lord is small in comparison to the fact you got born again. It says, for you are saved, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The faith that you got to get saved didn't even come from you, it came from God. So instead of putting so much emphasis on, I need to build my faith up, build my faith up, build my faith up. It's, we're talking about having faith in a man that did the work for us, Jesus. Amen. I don't have to work for that. I don't have to work for my salvation. I don't have to work for my healing. I don't have to work for this and for that, to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of grace. I just receive it. It's what belongs to me. Praise the Lord. Ooh. And we barely got into today's sermon. That's all right. That's what we got next week. Let's just lift our hands and thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Know this. Know this, these are the last days, saith the Lord, and I placed you here for such a time as this. It's not by accident. It's not by mistake. I placed you here for such a time as this, as I've told you in my word. For you see, you are the generation, 
You are the chosen ones. You are the ones that I've decided to put here for this time and for this age and for this time period, saith the Lord. And I've entrusted you certain things to see to it that they come to pass in the earth. No one else can take your place. No one else can fill your steps. Only you. But you see, I've placed my spirit on the inside of you. I've placed my anointing on the inside of you. You have what it takes or I wouldn't have placed you here for this time. You have my anointing. You have my grace. And so rise up today and take steps of faith and begin to declare what I've said to you in my word. And as you speak what I've said in my word, I will bring it to pass before your eyes and you'll see it not just with the eyes of the Spirit, but with your natural eyes. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see those things come to pass and come to fruition in your life. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And some will broach the free de calo or ramate, and they will broach de stafrobote, for they will hang on and broach de sifrodote. For don't you know in the times ahead they will broach a free de bulgre de stegete, and broach the free de candalest borgrestevan. Yes, yes. For there's those that will just halt, fall back. But there will be those that hang on. Just hang on by a thread. But my anointing will lead them oh, on up ahead. As they lean on me and see my mercy. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, oh, those things that seem so hard and so difficult. Oh, will now become nothing. They will walk upon high places. Oh, and they'll see my greater glory and my greater dispensation right ahead. Head. For they know huh, that they will not fall back, for I will sustain them, I will uphold them, I will fall, I will have my glory fall on them. So brace yourself, brace yes. yourself and yes. be prepared, for there will be those that hang on your faith. Oh my goodness, Thank the faith you, of God in Thank you. you. There'll be those that surround you because they need what you have. So prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for a greater anointing in the days ahead. Yeah. Oh my yes, goodness. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my yeah. goodness. And, so th- and on the tail of that, I just heard the Holy Spirit say this. Think it not strange concerning the gift of prophecy as it, as it has been in operation and more 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 fluently in these last days, saith the Lord. But know this, it's just beginning. It's just beginning for the spirit of prophecy is, is rising up stronger and mightier than ever before. And the word of the Lord and the voice of the Lord will have final say-so in these last days, saith the Lord. For the devil has spoken long enough and the liar has spoken long enough, but his lies are under your feet and the truth of my word And the spirit of prophecy is rising up on the inside of you to bring courage and bring strength to you even in these days. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.